Uh, big changes have come about over the last couple days, over the last week. Uh, I'm, if you're like us, you've just been watching one development after another. Uh, and, and it's um, this coronavirus and uh, the panic that has ensued has had major impacts on people's lives, um, on our local business owners uh, and business owners throughout the world major changes taking place right now. And this is an interesting time for us as a church, as a people who are committed to life-giving, safe relationships. Coronavirus has raised some real distinct challenges uh, as to how we will gather and how we will maintain community and relationship. Uh, we're committed to that and we've got some ideas and we're excited uh, to begin to hear more from you guys. Uh, how can we and will we engage with each other and with our community in this difficult season? So in the next few weeks, I'm sure we'll we'll have more ideas. For now, here are the three things that we have in place. Uh, first off, right now, we're doing the Facebook Live thing for Sunday morning. Um, and we'll keep you guys updated how long we'll be doing that. Um, and then also, we've created a uh, Vine Church community group. So it's a Facebook private group. Um, that anyone who calls the Vine Church their home, we'd love for you to join us there. And that'll be a place where we can have conversations and um, share announcements and things like that. And then also, we're going to be doing a Zoom prayer meeting mm -hmm. uh, on Tuesday night. So if you are not familiar with Zoom, it's one of those um, website app things where you can it's kind of like FaceTime. You can have a whole bunch of people on and you have these little boxes that you can see each other's video. And so it's really nice because um, though, though we have to do the social distancing thing, it's really nice to be able to see each other's faces and have a conversation and pray together. So um, if you're on our email list, you'll be getting an email tomorrow with the Zoom link. And so we encourage you to join us for a time of prayer to, uh, on Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. That'll be great because that'll be interactive, mm -hmm. uh, a, an opportunity to hear the voice of many more people in um, our church and our friends, uh, share stories and ensure we're supporting each other and our community well in this time. So Sarah and I, for the past few weeks, last month or so, have been in a series on Sabbath. And Sabbath is all about um, rest found in God. It's different than just relaxing. It's different than vegging or escaping from the world. We've been talking about Sabbath rest and what it looks like to find rest in God. And we had one more passage that we had planned uh, to bring uh, this Sunday to the church out of First Kings chapter 19. And um, today we'll talk a little bit about Sabbath, but we were shocked at how poignant the message in First Kings 19 is for the current challenges we're facing as a community and in the world. So let me set up the story just briefly. In First Kings 18, you can go back and read that this week. Um, there's a man named Elijah, and he is a prophet. And the prophets in this season in Israel, and really throughout most of uh, the time of the prophets was a very challenging job. You see, uh, their job was to call the people of Israel out uh, and invite people back into relationship with God. Uh, at this time, there is a king named uh, Ahab, and King Ahab, uh, it has told us previously, he did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of the kings before him. Things were not going well in the nation of Israel. And Elijah confronts Ahab and the prophets of Baal, the God that they had uh, turned to worship as a nation. 
And um, he's confronted them at, at Mount Carmel. They had these two altars, and uh, Elijah says to the priests of Baal, go ahead and call down fire to ignite uh, your altar. And nothing happened, and all day they cut themselves and did their rituals, and nothing came of it until uh, Elijah prays. And God sends down fire and burns up the altar and the stones and, and the sacrifice there. And it's this pinnacle moment where the nation of Israel, whom Elijah had challenged, if God is God, then worship him then follow him. And, uh, and they, the people saw God is truly our God and they turn back to him. And I can only imagine in Elijah's life, what a pinnacle moment this is just how powerful and exciting a moment. I mean, what does it look like to celebrate when you see God show up in such powerful ways? So I'd imagine in chapter 19, Sarah, as you engage here, um, as you jump in, uh, I'd imagine Elijah is just rejoicing, just overjoyed at what's happening right now. And that's not exactly how the story goes. Um, I wonder if you've had that experience. So when you've had this amazing mountaintop experience and then comes the crash, then comes the exhaustion. Um, after this big victory on Mount Carmel, Queen Jezebel um, announced publicly that she was out to kill Elijah. And she said she was going to do it in the next 24 hours. And in, in that moment, when Elijah heard that, everything changed for him. He was overwhelmed by fear and exhaustion. And he literally took off running towards the wilderness, running for his life. And in First uh, Kings 19, um, Elijah was afraid and he was running for his life. And he took off and he ran until he could run no more. And finally, in the middle of the wilderness there, by a bush, he falls down and he, he, he just cries out to God and he says, God, I've had enough. I'm done. I, I don't want to do this anymore. Just kill me now. I, I can't do this anymore. And so he lays down and he falls asleep in the wilderness under that bush. And I, I've never experienced this type of a crash, this crash this big, but I've, I've had those experiences in my life where things are going really well. Um, life is good. I'm excited. And then something happens and I crash and mm -hmm. I, and I feel so overwhelmed um, and fear creeps in and exhaustion creeps in. And, and I say to myself, you know, I just can't, I can't do it anymore. And that's the situation that Elijah finds himself in. I'd imagine there's a lot of people in our community experiencing some of those feelings right now. Uh, things seem to be going fine. And then all of a sudden, our circumstances have changed and fear has crept in. So Elijah finds himself sitting under this bush. Uh, he's terrified. He's running. He's exhausted. And he's asking God, just take my life. I'm done. And an angel appears to Elijah two times. And this angel says to him, uh, get up and and eat. There's there's food prepared there next to him as the angel wakes him up these two times and he says, get up and eat because the journey is long. And I think there's two really significant things in this piece of the story. Uh, first of all, that God was providing the sustenance, the things that Elijah needed to go on. And secondly, this angel is reminding Elijah that your story is not done, that your journey is not over, that I have more in store for you. And, and I wonder in this season right now as a nation and as, and as a people, what it looks like to realize both that God is providing to see God's hand uh, at work in the, the challenging circumstances we're facing right now, 
And also to hear that message that the story is not over, that God has work for us to do uh, both in this season and uh, in the future. God has a plan. So the angel comes to him and he says, get up and eat because there's more journeying to do. I love that. I love I love how the angel starts with food, food mm-hmm. and water. Um, take care of yourself. Let me take care of you mm-hmm. so that you can journey further. Um, I love that. That's just beautiful. Yeah. And so that's what Elijah does. Um, and he eats and he drinks the water and then he gets up and he travels to Mount Horeb. Mount Horeb, also known as Mount Sinai, was the place where the Jews had traditionally met with God. And so it was a sacred place for them. And I love this point that even in his exhaustion, even in his fear, Elijah chooses to move towards God. He mm-hmm. chooses to move towards God, towards the mountain of God. And so when he gets there, the word of the Lord comes to him and God asks him this questions. He asks, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? What are you doing here, hmm. Elijah? And um, it's interesting when you read the text you know, you can't hear the intonation of that question or the 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 way the manner in which that question was mm-hmm. asked. But I, I imagine a very gentle question. Hey, Elijah, what, what are you doing here? And in hearing this question, Elijah opens himself up to God and he says, you know, I've, I've been very zealous for you. I've done all the things you wanted me to do. And here's what's happened. The Israelites have rejected you. They're trying to kill me. And I'm the only one left following you. Now, Elijah wasn't the only one left following God, but that's how he felt. He said, I'm the only one left following God. I mean, have you ever been in that place where you're so lonely in your fear? So God knows that Elijah is feeling deflated. He's hearing his cries and his concerns. And so God says to Elijah, go out on the mountain and uh, experience my presence. And miraculous and powerful things begin to happen. Uh, There is a wind that nearly tears the mountain down. And then there's an earthquake. And then there's a fire that rages around him. But it says in each case that God was not in the wind or the fire or the earthquake. But instead, in 1 Kings uh, 19, verse 12, it says, And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And here Elijah has just experienced the great power of God on Mount Carmel. And you'd kind of expect, or I, I should say, I would expect God to again, to almost prove himself to Elijah in power and say, hey, I'm still here. I'm still this powerful. And yet God doesn't choose to reveal himself in that dramatic of a way. He Instead, he chooses to reveal himself to Elijah in a gentle whisper, a gentle breeze. Um, He knew what Elijah needed Mm -hmm. in this moment. And Elijah, a man standing before God, just rocked by fear and exhaustion. What he needed was to be invited into rest, to be invited into God's gentle, loving presence and find healing and peace in this difficult time. A gentle whisper. I wonder what that looks like in our lives as we find ourselves Uh, maybe isolated, maybe feeling fear, uh, to lean into a God 
who has all the power of the demonstrations on Mount Carmel and now on, on Mount Horeb, uh, but to lean into a God with all that power who speaks gently, uh, peace into the circumstances of our daily life. Uh, I think this is a season in which we as a people and our nation need to hear a gentle whisper. Absolutely. You know, like Micah said earlier, we've been talking about Sabbath rest. And this is um, when we stop and we rest and delight in God, a specific type of rest. We're intentional with God. And right now, um, I think we need to ask the question, so where do we find our peace? Where do we find our refuge? And in the story of Elijah, we see his example of he, he, he has fear. He has worry. He has this level of uncertainty, and he brings that before God, and he finds his peace and healing and rest in the gentle, loving presence of God. And, you know, the beautiful thing about Sabbath rest is that um, it affects everyday life. It affects everything else mm -hmm. we do. So this idea of Sabbath rest doesn't give us permission to withdraw from our community and totally withdraw from the world. Rather, rest in God allows us to engage our life and engage our community from a place of peace and from a mm -hmm. place of love instead of fear and exhaustion. It enables us to engage in new ways. You know, and yet this is a tumultuous season, one in which uh, caution will need to be exercised in when and how we engage. Uh, still, you're exactly right. Uh, our invitation from God is towards people, towards hurt, and towards the needs of a community. And uh, and so we dream to be a part of that. You know, in this tumultuous season in our community and in the world, um, I'm reminded of that moment where Elijah is speaking uh, with the prophets of Baal uh, and to the nation. And he says to them, if God is God, then follow him. And this is a season with all the questions, with all the fear, in which uh, we remind ourselves that God is God and we choose to follow him in this season. Uh, it is in God that Elijah found his peace and his refuge. And in the same way, um, I, I pray that we see both the miraculous, the big and powerful things that God is doing around us, but also are able to settle in and hear that gentle whisper that says, peace, be still. That gentle whisper that says, uh, I have a plan for you uh, and I am inviting you into the things that I am doing in this community. So I wonder how might God be whispering into each of our lives or into the lives of this community in this season. Sarah and I got to meet with a number of church leaders throughout the nation this last week uh, in a Zoom meeting. And um, and we were just talking about how, how are you engaging? What does it look like in this season to be the church in our communities? And uh, a number of things came to the surface. The first one that came to my mind was that we are a people of prayer. Um, now, I realize that sometimes that can be kind of a trite answer, which I, I'm just going to pray about it and good luck. We'll see what happens. Uh, that's not at all what I'm referring to. But instead, uh, the promise that we find in Scripture that there is power in prayer. And uh, so as a people of faith, uh, 
This is a season in which we lean heavily into prayer, asking for God's healing, help, and hope, uh, asking for his guidance. Uh, that, by the way, on Tuesday night, if you weren't here earlier with us, uh, is going to be the purpose of our Zoom meeting, that we can pray together about uh, this crisis and for each other's needs. Absolutely. I think another thing that's really important um, in this season is to be intentional about connecting with people. Now, that might mean that you connect with a little bit of distance in between um, each other, but to be intentional about connecting with people, um, utilizing technology, which is kind of funny uh, because I sometimes kind of try to avoid some of the technology stuff, especially like social media, but this is a really important tool for us um, in this season to to make phone calls, to text people, to have video chats, email, and to use social media as a way to connect with people. I think of um, just yesterday, a friend of mine texted me and said, hey, how are you guys doing in all this? And it was such a small thing, and yet it meant a lot to me. So to utilize technology to encourage each other and to be a voice of positivity and a voice of peace and healing um, in an environment that at this point seems a little bit chaotic, mm-hmm. um, to be that, that solid voice of peace and that solid voice of positivity, I think that's going to be really important. And finally, um, I hear a whisper from God saying, uh, this is a season in which we lean into Mm -hmm. compassion uh, and caring for the needs of people around us. Um, Jesus said these words to his followers. He said, they'll know you're my disciples by your love, by the way that you love. And so it's a season um, that we lean into the needs of our community, our neighbors, our friends, and our family. It's a season in which we use caution in the ways that we engage, uh, but that we not withdraw from the needs of people, that we not withdraw the love of God that we're invited to demonstrate Mm -hmm. towards people around us. So there's two additional ways that we would love um, to connect with you guys and to get your input this week. Um, first of all, if you if the Vine Church is your home, we invite you to join the uh, Vine Church community group. And on that um, on that group, we just posted this question: As a church, how can we show love and compassion in our community right now? And we just would love your input, um, some brainstorming. Let's work together to be. Um, a force of of love and to embrace our community in the ways that we can. And then also, um, if you would like to join our Zoom prayer meeting, um, we would love for you to do that. Make sure you're on our email list. Uh, Send us your email if if you're not on our list, and and we'll make sure you get an invite to that. Um, We're excited to see how we can connect and how we can support each other and our community uh, during this time. Hey, if you or a neighbor or a friend are in need right now, if you don't have the supplies you need or just feeling fearful and need someone to pray with, we want you to know that we and many other people in our church are available. Uh, so please um, uh, don't don't live alone with the fears or the concerns that you're facing. Uh, we'll, we'll face this as a community, as a people. I think we're ready to pray and we're going to start to close this out. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this day and an opportunity to be together in a unique way. Uh, For the first time, Father, we gather like this. 
Uh, but we know that you are present uh, in this place that is our house and in the many other households and places in which people are gathering in your name. God, we ask that you will be with um, us as a nation and a world as we face coronavirus. Give us uh, peace. Give us wisdom, um, a, a steadfastness that allows us to weather all the new information and news that's coming our way. Um, God, we pray for healing and hope. We pray specifically for safety for the lives of vulnerable people in our community and in the world. God, we ask your intervention. And to what extent we can participate in the things that you're doing, God, give us eyes to see, uh, give us courage to engage. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us.